To those of you listening to us on the internet and to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, and to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning actually is a blending of all three readings for today from Lamentations, 2 Corinthians, and Mark chapter 5. From Lamentations, I recall just uh, these words. We were not completely wiped out. His compassion is never limited. It's new every morning. His faithfulness is great. From 2 Corinthians. You know about the kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich, yet for your sake he became poor in order to make you rich through his poverty. And from St. Mark chapter 5, Jesus speaking to the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, just believe. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who sheds upon us his grace every day, every moment of our lives, my beloved. Have you ever had that feeling that God wasn't answering your prayers? St. Paul spoke these words in Romans chapter 8. He says, The Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray for what we need. I don't know about you, but I was pretty doggone discouraged about the happenings of this past week, what happened in the Supreme Court. Sometimes you pray, Lord, when are you going to change the morality of our nation? God, please end the wars in the Middle East. Would you please, Lord, change this stagnant economy? Of course, you know as well as I do that uh, you can pray prayers like that, but wars don't end instantaneously. The economy doesn't turn around overnight. Who knows where the morality of our nation is going? Sometimes we pray, though, Lord, please bring it to an end. So I was thinking the other day, maybe we've been praying the wrong thing for the wrong things. If you take a look at all three of the uh, readings uh, this morning, the one thing that they all have that blends them together is they describe seemingly hopeless situations. Jeremiah was homeless. The Macedonians were penniless. And Jairus was bereaved. Jeremiah was a man who wrote Lamentations. And um, he was a captive in a foreign country, and he was going to be there for 70 years away from home. And the Macedonians, either because of persecution or bad uh, economy, were penniless. And, of course, Jairus just lost his 12-year-old daughter. All three readings for this morning direct us 
to pray for God's gifts of grace, which sometimes I think we forget to pray about in difficult times. And these are difficult times. In Lamentations, Jeremiah encourages us in adversity, pray for patience. St. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians, in poverty, pray for generosity. And St. Mark encourages us in bereavement, pray for peace. The Old Testament book before us this morning from Lamentations is probably written by Jeremiah. The word lament means to be sorrowful or to cry. In other words, Lamentations is a book of cryings. Undoubtedly written, written by Jeremiah, uh, he was now taken captive. Uh, Jerusalem, his, his hometown, was destroyed, and he was led away to a, a foreign country a thousand miles away. I guess the way that you could sort of equate it what, would be just imagine a terrorist nation or army coming to Milwaukee and uh, forcing all of the uh, citizens of Milwaukee out of town, on buses, ships, planes, whatever, to go to some country down in South America, and after they did all that, they dropped an atomic bomb on Milwaukee. You didn't like living where you were, but you couldn't go home either. In the midst of all of it, Jeremiah says, it is good to continue to hope and wait silently for the Lord to save us. It is good for people to endure burdens when they're young. They should sit alone and remain silent, even if it makes us suffer. He will have compassion in keeping with the richness of his mercy. In the midst of a seeming disaster, Jeremiah, from God, encourages patience. Now, you all know what patience is. Patience is that feeling of calm contentment even though everything around you seems to be out of control. My mother-in-law would say it very often, and maybe perhaps I said it from this pulpit on other occasions, my mother-in-law with tongue-in-cheek would say, Patience is a virtue. Catch it if you can. Seldom found in woman, never found in man. I have two really, I think, good illustrations of impatience. And I always tell you from this pulpit that confession is good for the soul. And maybe you found yourself doing this too, but every once in a while I watch the nightly news and I want to take off my shoe and throw it through the TV screen. And that's impatience. One time I remember on one of our air flights, uh, flying I think with my wife out to California to visit relatives. It's about a three and a half hour trip. And we had the just wonderful experience of sitting in the seat just ahead of a mother with two sons, one two and one three. And the two-year-old screamed for the entire trip. And I know why, too. If you're two years old and you're strapped in that uncomfortable position, you think it's going to last forever and nobody's ever going to let you out. I guess that's sometimes why we have our feelings of impatience, too. We think that we're strapped into an uncontrollable situation which will never end. Even in extreme adversity, Jeremiah finds God's gift of grace of patience. And it's kind of interesting how when you read these verses from Jeremiah, he says, you know, it was bad, it's bad, but it could have been worse. He said, 
We were not completely wiped out. In other words, even though Jerusalem was uh, stormed and, and uh, destroyed, a remnant of God's people were led away into captivity and they would return later on. He continues, his compassion is never limited. It is new every morning. His faithfulness is great. My soul can say the Lord is my lot in life. That is why I find hope in him. And so today we say, Lord, please forgive our impatience because we do know that you are in control and help us to trust in you more. At your designated time, you will deliver us from adversity. God, give us the gift that you gave Jeremiah. Give us the gift of patience. Then we turn our attention to the epistle, St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Corinth was a, was a, uh, a city in uh, southern Greece. St. Paul had founded a Christian congregation there. It was a thriving congregation. They had quite a few problems. But they were a well-to-do congregation, the members down there in Corinth. And St. Paul had come to them about a year before asking them to please give to an offering that he would gather up as he was traveling with his fellow disciples uh, to give to needy and poor Jewish Christians back in Jerusalem who were suffering from a famine. And the congregation in Corinth had started to gather that offering, but somewhere along a year's time they sort of floofed out and they forgot about it. And so St. Paul was saying, well, it's time to, to pick up on that offering once again because I'm going to come there and we're going to gather it and take it to Jerusalem. And one of the motivations that he gives to those, that Corinthian congregation he's, is he says, <clears throat> you should think about the people up north in that northern Greek province of Macedonia. Either because of persecution or, or a bad economy or both, they were penniless. They were ex experiencing poverty. And yet St. Paul says, you know what they did? They came to us and they begged us to please allow them to participate in this offering. And he said, finally, they gave more than they could afford. He says that this while they were, while they were still, the Macedonians, being severely tested by suffering, their overflowing joy, along with their extreme poverty, had made them even more generous I assure you that by their own free will, they have given all they could, even more than they could afford. They made an appeal to us, begging us to let them participate in the ministry of God's kindness to his holy people in Jerusalem. In the midst of poverty, they were generous. Why? Because they were filled with over flowing thankfulness to a gracious God who didn't skimp on his love towards them, but gave them his everything, his only son into death as a substitutionary punishment for our sins. And they just had to respond. Generosity is a gift of God's grace. And let me tell you, generosity has absolutely nothing to do with wealth. And you may know that, that there are a whole lot of wealthy people in the world who are known, really not generous, and there are a lot of poor people in the world who are extremely generous. Generosity has everything to do with knowing God's grace and to recognizing that everything that we have here in this world is not ours, but it's only on loan from God until we die. Lord, forgive us 
our selfishness in prosperity and in poverty for properly not using what is yours to help others in need. Even in difficult times, Lord, give us the grace that you gave the Macedonians, the grace of generosity. And then there in the gospel was Jairus, whose 12-year-old daughter was sick and then she died. As Jesus was on his way to help, can't you just think of Jairus? He comes to ask Jesus for help, and Jesus said, sure, I'll come to your house. And then all of a sudden, he's sidetracked by this woman with a menstrual bleeding problem for 12 years. And it's, you can almost hear Jairus saying, yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, help her out, but we got to get there quick. And um, then word came that his daughter had died. And as they arrived at the house, there were all those professional mourners wailing and crying and the flutes were playing and they were beating their breast. And then Jesus spoke those famous words, the child is not dead, she's only sleeping. And all of a sudden, all the fake mourning turned into laughing. Oh, sure, Jesus, you're no doctor, you're no medical examiner, you're no coroner. Because they did not recognize that the one walking into the bedroom was the Son of God. And so Jesus takes the occasion to perform one of his resurrection miracles. Later on, he performed two more on the young man of Nain and his friend Lazarus, bringing them back to life. And so what he does, just think about that. He recalls Jairus' 12-year-old daughter, her soul from heaven and makes her mortal remains come alive because he possesses all power in heaven and on earth. But in the midst of life, we are in death. And so it is, with tears running down our cheeks, we attend the funerals of our loved ones. In disbelief, even for your pastor... We look at that still body that once moved and laughed and talked and walked. And even as we cry, we need to say, Lord, forgive us. As St. Paul said, sin came into the world through one person and death came through sin. So death spread to everyone because everyone sinned. And so it still remains the fact that the death of our earthly body is our responsibility. And it's our fault. And it's a continuous reminder of our sin and disobedience to God, without which we would live forever. And so we say, Lord, please forgive us. As you did with Jairus, grant us peace. Jesus, remind me that you came and lived and died for me so that you no longer hate me, but you forgive me and love me. And as Jesus worked those three resurrection miracles, he worked his greatest, the fourth resurrection miracle of his own on Easter morning, so that one day he can say to you and to me and all of our departed loved ones, I'm telling you, get up and get dressed in your white robes and your golden crowns to live with me forever. Lord, In the midst of life, we are in death. Even so, give us peace 
peace that comes from knowing your forgiveness and your love and your resurrection power. I think you know it as well as I do. We are living in difficult times. Just like Jeremiah and the Macedonians and Jairus, there are homeless and penniless and bereaved. And along the way, each day we live our lives, we are worried too. And we want to pray, Lord, make it all go away. But maybe we've been saying the wrong prayer. And maybe we've been using the wrong words. Lord, in the midst of it all, give us patience. Jeremiah, his compassion is never limited, is new every morning. His faithfulness is great. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to anyone who seeks help from him. Lord, give us generosity, St. Paul, because we know about the kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich, yet for your sake he became poor in order to make us rich through his poverty. And Lord, give us peace. Because with death all around us, you have guaranteed to us eternal life. Patience and generosity and peace. Good gifts of God's grace to pray for during difficult times. And what would be a better conclusion for this sermon than the words of St. Paul in Philippians? Never worry about anything. But in every situation, let God know what you need in prayers and requests while giving thanks. Then God's peace, which goes beyond anything that we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus our Lord. God granted for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.